1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. One of the things I'm loving about sort of being over the worst with regards to COVID-19, and look, I know there's plenty of it still out there and plenty of people are isolating and all of that, but one of the things that's nice about being over the worst of it is being able to have guests back in studio and being able to get gigs back on, and particularly things like uh, stand-up comedy. I'm joined in studio by the great Neil Delamere, who is coming to Cork on the 28th of uh, April to the Opera House. Good to be back, sir.
2: Oh my God! Like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I, ca- I can't wait. It, it was such a strange time. I, I was doing gigs here, there, and everywhere during the the last two years. But it was, you know, there weren't. They weren't allowed to be full. A lot of the time they weren't allowed to be on at 8 o'clock, you know, mm. at the normal time. So, for it to be back in Cork Opera House with a thousand people there, cheek by jowl, doing yeah. what you've loved doing, is, yeah, I'll never take it for granted again.
1: I, 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 our own Ross Brown, when he was able to go back on stage, yeah. I remember he was like a small child here. Oh man, it's weeks. unbelievable. You know, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, because we were like doing little gigs like those points, myself and Chris Kent, you probably know, yeah. a great Cork comedian, that we were doing little gigs, like 15 people, outside in marquees because mm. that's all that was allowed and um, that was just to kind of keep the the muscle memory going essentially you know so you, you didn't get too rusty mm. uh, but to be back doing it the way it should be done is, yeah. is, it's a great privilege I have to say
1: Covid in itself and I know it, look, it affected so many families in terrible ways and it disrupted our life and disrupted our economy mm. but surely there's got to be something in to laugh about
2: Ah uh, yeah, I mean I don't think any subject is necessarily um, you know, off limits. It depends on what you say. Yeah. So like the how the rules changed for example, how when people wore masks when they shouldn't wear masks. Um, I like. I saw a girl in in London, and she wasn't wearing a mask. And she was meant to wear a mask. It was on the tube, and she was meant to wear a mask. And I heard her say to a friend, "She said I don't like wearing things, you know, on my face." And like, she had fake eyelashes out, about two two and a half feet <laughs> off her head. Like, not even not even the ones you'd see on a human. You know, the ones you see on the front of an Nissan Micra. You know, those ones. <laughs> like she, wi- like there was a breeze coming off them. She winked at the fellow beside me, and his newspaper turned inside out. And you're looking at her going. <laughs> You should be wearing a mask. And so that's a li- weird little thing in the midst of all this madness yeah. that you can pinpoint. So you can yeah. definitely talk about COVID on
1: stage. It's the little observational stuff. Actually, you mentioned there about, you know, what people laugh at and what they don't. Yeah. And what's in inbounds and out of bounds. Chris Rock and Will Smith. Yeah. What did you make of that?
2: Um, I thought that, well, I wouldn't have said what he said. Um, I think... Chris, I think Will Smith should have done what he did. Obviously, mm. uh, I thought after it happened, Chris Rock dealt with it quite well in terms of uh, after the slap was given. I've never had anything like that. We've most comedians have been in a situation where there's a bit of tension, though. Sometimes, you know. Mm. Um, I think the weirdest one I had was years ago. There's a there's a gig in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival called Late and Live, and it starts at one o'clock in the morning, and basically you, you do it till three o'clock, and you try and
1: survive. That's all you do. PG. You mm. just, I would I would suggest drink has been drink
2: taken. Has been taken and uh, I, it's a kind of a rite of passage and I did it one night and I, uh, like in my early days and I got away with it and then the next night I was a bit too cocky and I did it and it was not going well mm. and a guy shouted, uh, well I'm going to paraphrase this for the radio, he went, get your bits out. Yeah. Basically, and I said I will if you will, assuming he wouldn't. Oh God! Which was my fatal error, Vijay. That was my fate. <laughs> I had I had not calibrated correctly for the amount of alcohol he had taken on board. He got up on stage and took his trousers <laughs> off, and then looked at me like a challenge. And <laughs> I, I I didn't. No. And nothing. The Edinburgh audience, late night audience, will forgive a lot of things, but not a broken promise. Oh dear me! So for the next ten minutes, it was just they hated me because I wouldn't do it. I, if I'd done what he asked me to do. I actually think I would have gotten away with it. But that's the closest I've ever been to somebody else being on stage with you and it just being quite tense, you know?
1: Yeah. I I imagine you'd be fearful sometimes. I mean, look, comedy goes to the edge. Mm. The edge has moved, hasn't it, though? are there um, you to
2: sound you... like Bono. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the has moves. Yeah, I don't think there is any subject that is out of bounds, but it depends on who makes a joke about yeah. it. So, if you are suffering from a condition and you can make a joke, that's fine. Yes. you know it depends on who says it, when they say it, how they say it. I think most human beings are innately, you know, they innately understand context. Yeah. Um. So, th- th- what's said in the comedy club when the audience knows a person and knows the atmosphere and they've set themselves up as a specific sort of character. That's different than somebody coming out and saying something cold about somebody else.
1: People take offence much more easily now, Neil, don't they? Um, or do you think they do?
2: I don't know. I mean, I know people say, uh, say, oh, you can't say anything anything anymore. But some of the people who say you can't say anything anymore don't go to comedy gigs, you know? Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff. That. But that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think you should be able to just, you should be able to stand over what you say that's what you should be able to do and if you can stand over for whatever reason off you go
1: yeah, Talk to me about Dancing with the Stars. You're yeah, th- I, talk I, I about, about you, standing over what you said. Talk, <laughs> about, talk about the Edinburgh Fringe and, yeah. and that, that challenge. Yeah. I tell you something, I'd have done that before I would have gone on Dancing with the
2: Stars. Dancing with the Stars was absolutely terrifying feature. <laughs> absolutely terrifying. There's nothing, Edinburgh Fringe Festival doesn't bear a comparison. Um, I have been asked before, I was always too nervous. Covid made me think two things. One, I didn't know if I was going to be allowed to gig. And secondly, you know, life is short go and do something that scares the hell out of you so i did but i was oh my god i was so nervous the first the first day
1: yeah, you like walking out with an hour and a half of new material that you've never tried in an audience, that must be nerve-wracking, but to go out and... Oh, different, yeah, different get the fish totally, altogether, yeah, totally. because
2: like, when you try new stuff, you set it up as new stuff, the, the gig might be free, or the gig might be very cheap, and mm. you know, it's advertised, whereas you, like, I opened the show, i never danced on television before, I opened the series in front of a half a million people. And
1: when they told you that...
2: Uh, when I
1: th- uh, or did you know? Was no, it just I did know that.
2: I did know that. And actually, my pro dancer, Kylie, said to me, it's better. And she's right, because I, you prefer it. You do not want the nerves to build up during the show. Uh, and, like, you're sitting there, and you have this weird out-of-body experience. So you're dressed, first of all, with shoulder pads out to here, a, a, a little bolero jacket with gold studs, like they've rolled a matador in thumbtacks. That's what it looks like. You look like <laughs> half... Half Joan Collins, half Gernald Gaddafi is how I would describe it, right? <laughs> and you're standing there doing a pasta doble, dressed like the most flamboyant R10 Boys band member possible. And you have this weird out of body experience Go, what are we doing? But my pro dancer was brilliant. She was very patient. And, um, we, ha- it's, it's the best fun it is yeah. the best phone I have to say
1: now you're talking to someone who knows nothing about dancing right Yeah. because to me a pass a doubly I yeah. think it's something gave me an awful hangover and Santa Panza wouldn't uh, yes
2: <laughs> well I possibly danced it a, a couple of times like I had a hangover but we got away with it on the night yeah. you, you learn all the, te- the, 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 the techniques you, get you learn all fitness the technology do you, you do yeah yeah, you do and you can eat whatever you want you're training five for five hours a day so the weight falls off you know and then you stop and the weight goes back on so I've, I've started to do a bit of cycling now and and a friend of mine is really into cycling and I have one cycling jersey that Nicholas Roach gave me a professional cyclist so my mm. friend is exceptionally jealous of this yeah,
1: but none of us none of us are or ever will be the size that Nicholas Roach
2: oh god no I mean if Nicholas Roach gave me four jerseys and stitch I stitched on. them together oh no, I could get into it I'd never get out of it again
1: <laughs> ever yeah, I ha- yeah. I'd have
2: to train to get into his jersey but he's a gentleman and uh, it, it has pride place on my wall if well, not my body
1: I've never met Nicholas, but I met Stephen after he won the <laughs> the, the Hero tour. d'Italia and the Tour and the, tour, tour, yeah, and the so World Championships. they like, don't like each other, you know, he's a decent skin, he's a decent lead. Yeah. Who's your comedy hero?
2: Ooh, um, it varies at different times. I think Tommy Tiernan is one of the best people I've ever seen and I've seen people all around the world of different hues and different, different backgrounds and different approaches to comedy and uh, Tommy when he's on it is fabulous, I have to say. Um, Dave Allen, Dave Allen. The great Dave Allen. The great Dave Allen. I mean, Dave Allen made being Irish cool yeah. in England at a time when there was a lot of pressure on Irish people who lived over there. They were only coming out of a, a, a scenario where there were those kind of paddy jokes, and then you have this sophisticated, urbane, very clever very cool soft spoken soft spoken wordsmith Uh, I think he did us a lot of favourites what I love about comedy is that there's so many different ways of doing it you can you know Jason Byrne when Jason (sighs) Byrne is on fire he could get a laugh of of momentum in an audience That.
1: It's unbelievable. Maeve Higgins, the surreal. Oh yeah, stuff she's Maeve Higgins. You know, she's brilliant. And Joanne. Joanne, yeah, she's fabulous. Lo-
2: loads of great different. Eleanor Tiernan. Yes, very nice.
1: You mentioned. You mentioned. Um Jason, my wife still does uh, uh, or tries to do a thing he did, and I don't know. how He had two pictures, right? One with a badger and one without. <laughs> and he gets twenty minutes <laughs> out of badger, badger, badger. badger, badger. <laughs> I saw him once years ago,
2: and it doesn't sound funny, right? But he did this thing where he goes, "I, I'd, I'd love to go up to the fellow outside Buckingham Palace, you know, with the beer, uh, the, and the big b- bear skin stalker, and hat, yeah. and go. Um, Is the queen in? Is the queen in? Is the queen in?" He's queen in. and I watched him, and he did it 140 times one night. And the audience laughs, then hates him, and then starts uncontrollably laughing again. And it, he was just a master te- technician, I suppose. Mm. Uh, I think there's loads to be learned from watching various mm. people. For, Neil Tobin, if you oh. like, you watch like that would be a different style than mm. what we would do. But like these lads had mastery of stage, they had mastery of timing, they had mastery of voice. Mm. So there was loads to learn from various different approaches to stand-up from from the 50s. Yeah,
1: yeah. Are you worried that we haven't got much left in poor old Billy Connolly?
2: Um, uh, Billy Connolly, I mean, I suppose we should be grateful. He's the best there's ever been. It's as simple as that. Yes. We should be grateful for the stuff he gave us. And uh, when you see... I mean, I was only watching a clip on YouTube the other day of that audience with Billy Connolly. Oh. And audience shows, they're not necessarily easy because a lot of people are in the industry and, you know, they're a little bit cynical. They've been around, you know, mm. they, how, they know how TV works, they know how performance works. To see him have Robbie Coltrane and, uh, and Michael Parkinson on the floor laughing... yeah. I mean, he was a once-in-a-lifetime talent.
1: He was, he was, and and Sid, I mean, he's 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 failing a bit now, but he's. I mean, I I, I have the original big banana feet.
2: Album. Right, yeah,
1: and he was, a, and Phil Coulter was the guy who produced that album, yeah. And it's just as funny then as it was in God knows when.
2: Yeah, he's he's extraordinary. He's still extraordinary, you know. And we should be grateful for the legacy work he's given us.
1: Yeah, you, you've mentioned a couple of great names, like you said, Tommy, who I w- would completely agree with you on. On, yep. on, on, on Tommy, I'm looking forward to seeing yourself. Haven't seen you live in a few years. Mentioned Neil Tobin, Dave Allen. I'm surprised at that. How would you say if I told you that one of my all-time favourites would be the great Kenneth Williams? Oh, Kenneth
2: Williams was uh, f- uh, fantastic. I mean, if you look at some of the stuff he did on radio before he was necessarily known for the carry-on films, you know, uh, like, like all those boys, they, um, I say boys, I mean kind of lads, as in lads and girls, they, they, when they got to t- TV and when they got to movies, they had done it live. Yes. And a lot of them had been, like, in the war, doing um, entertaining troops in various different uh, places. You know, they could do it. They had done their apprenticeships. Mm. Frankie Howard, ah. Tommy Cooper. All these guys, you know, they were absolutely unbelievable yeah. what they did because they had been through the apprenticeships and they did put their 10,000 hours in. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love all those And guys. there
1: are hours in it. And like to put, finally, before we finish up, to put a show of whatever hour, hour and a half duration, yeah. stage shows what? It's usually broken into two halves, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
2: yeah, I'll have a support act. Actually, it's Chris Kent. He's uh, yeah, the wonderful uh, Chris Kent yeah. in the Opera House. And then I'll do an hour and 15, hour and 20, Yeah, Yeah. How much
1: actual... Messing around. Messing around and rehearsal goes into that. Like, do you give... Is there someone that you perform that too who says nope take that out
2: <laughs> no my long-suffering wife would just would would it would just kill me I think if I was walking around t- trying jokes in front of her the way you do it is you do small gigs and open mics and you build up the material slowly but surely so you know it works because if you think about it, you can't do the opera house and charge people the the, the full whack and not have the pre-prepared product mm. but I always like to leave a little bit of messing around let, yeah. a little bit of space that makes every gig individual at a guided the other night in the front row in Ballymena. Ballymena is a fairly staunchly unionist town, you know, it's, it's mm. the Paisley's you'd be, kind of homeland. be careful. Homeland. No, I'd be deliberately not careful. I'd be the other way. Uh, I would try and offend everybody equally and then nobody can say anything. But you leave room for the kind of, I said to a guy in the front row, it was a guy, and um, I said, where are you from? And he was from Ballymena. And he said, but I'm not from Ballymena originally, I'm from Egypt. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you're Egyptian, but you live in Ballymena. And he went, yeah, and I said, I assume you take part in all the marches, but you walk like that. (laughs) I did the Egyptian (laughs) walk,
1: and he's having the
2: crack. (laughs) And you can't script that. You don't know if he's going to be there. And it's the thing that everybody remembers that night. Each night is individual, you know. So there's, yeah. a lot, there's a lot of room, 10 or 15 minutes to make uh, Brendan, to tailor each show.
1: Brendan O'Carroll puts it as, always leave room for Bob. Yes. A bit of business.
2: A bit of business. He's dead yeah. right. And hasn't he done reasonably well? Oh, listen. Do
1: you know what? And there's a great friend of mine who works for his organisation and, and it's just an enormous you like
2: You made him sound like the Mafia. I he know, works yeah. for his organisation. He is an organisation. He, he cuts the nice head enough. off horses and he He's the guy who leaves the middle. room. Yeah, of the pit. no,
1: yeah. The, see, you're at it already. You're writing a script here in front of me. <laughs> now, it's on the 28th of uh, April. April at the Cork Opera House, talking about everything and anything.
2: Absolutely. Dancing with the stars, Ireland's Fittest Family, and everything oh, that's yeah, happened to in the last two years. You. Next time, PJ.
1: Next time. All right. And still tickets left. Neil Delamere, thanks for being with us on the opinion. Cork's 96 FM.